The church, the world actually, our culture has all sorts of things it thinks the church is supposed to be and do. And sometimes we find ourselves tempted to just fit into that mold. But can I tell you, the, the one thing we want to do more than anything else is be who God wants us to be as God's people. That's what we're striving to be. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he goes into this section of this. And so here's what, we're not going to be perfect at this, but this is what we're striving to be at Valley View, okay? How we're going to describe it this morning. And so this is what we commit to be for you, every one of you who are here, and what we're looking for you to be and commit to be for us. It's a dual thing. You receive blessing from being part of this group as we serve each other this way, but we also receive something from you, each of us. There's something you get, there's something you need to give. And that's what he wants to talk about in this passage. I remind you, this church is under persecution in Thessalonica. Different religious groups didn't like them, and so they persecuted them. But also the culture at large found their belief in one true living God very strange, very convicting and they didn't like it, and it caused them to come at odds with the people of their culture. And so not only do you have people striving to live a good godly life, which is challenging enough in our world, but now they're also facing opposition when doing so. And what they discover is this, the only way you'll be able to do it, Paul tells them, is if you have a distinct kind of community that you're part of. We are important to you. And you are important to us. That's what he wants us to say. And this is exactly like us in our culture. We know this. If you take the Christian faith seriously and you live it with integrity, it's going to put you in the crosshairs of our culture. It just is. It's going to put you in some awkward moments where your belief clashes with culture and you've got to decide, am I going to stand on my belief or am I going to go with culture? It's going to be hard to do. It's going to require something from you. Quite honestly, I want to say to college students who are here, you need us. And we need you. If you're going to decide during this time of your in your Christian life, and this is the most intense time of your life yet, and maybe the most intense time of your entire life, for deciding whether you're going to take this faith seriously or not, because this culture is marketing a way of life that is vastly different from what we are describing and what God has described in his scripture. And you've got, you are face to face with the difference. And this world is going to try to get you in their mold. And there's got to be somebody speaking for God and for the truth. And that's going to be us among others. And you're going to ask yourself over the next four years, is this distinct way of life worth the trouble or not? Let me just tell you, we're not going to try to hide this, and we're not going to try to be subtle. It's worth the trouble. The Christian faith and the truth is worth the trouble. And the only place you'll hear that from is right here in God's church. Culture won't tell you that. Media won't tell you that. Your friends most of the time won't tell you that. We will tell you that, but you will hear the other side much more than you'll hear us. You won't get through this without our help. We're not just talking about a faith that survives the next four years. Your goal is not to have a faith that survives the next four years. Your goal is to have a faith that grows and thrives in the challenge of the next four years. But you can't do that by yourself. Don't sit in your room and listen to a little Caleb and think that's enough. Don't do that because it's not. 
Lone Ranger Christians will not survive in this culture that we live in. Don't think you can just coast on a faith that you were given from the past without feeding it, nurturing it, and growing it. You have to grow if you are going to survive, and you're going to have to thrive in the midst of all that. For this mission, God designed us as the church to be a help to each other. I'm going to describe for you what we commit to from this passage. It begins in verse 12. He'll notice this. You'll say, we ask you, verse 12, so he's asking them for something. And if you look down to verse 14, he says, we urge you. We urge you. So he's asking and he's urging. And here's the first thing he asks. Notice verse number 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We want to provide you a structure that benefits you spiritually. There are people in this auditorium, there are people in this church who are going to work tirelessly to bless your life. They don't have positions. Well, not all of them do. They don't have a uniform. You can't spot them by a uniform. You won't spot them by a label or name tag. But I want you to pay attention because verse 12 when he says to respect those who labor among you, he's saying I want you to identify them. I want you to recognize the people who are tirelessly working to provide you with a structure in your life that will nurture and nourish your spiritual life. They may not be elders, deacons, and preachers, or they might be. Can I tell you, he could have said, obey your elders and deacons and preachers, but he didn't. There are words for that. What he says is, I want you to recognize those who do the work, not who have the position. There are many people who might be a deacon but don't do the work. The people you need to respect are the ones who do the work. And you'll recognize them because they'll come out of this. They they won't hide very long. They're out there. And I'll tell you what some of them are. You're going to go to Bible classes, and there's going to be people. I'm not just talking to college students here. But there are people who work tirelessly through the week, and it takes, can I tell you this? A good Bible class takes a lot of time. takes a lot of energy and creative juice to create. And when somebody stands before you and does a Bible class, it really generates thought and gets you thinking, wow, that enriches my spiritual life. Can I tell you that somebody who's labored among you for your benefit, you are a beneficiary of their labor, and they deserve your respect and cooperation. That's how we keep peace, he says, is that we recognize those who labor among us and we appreciate them. And you're going to cooperate. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to appreciate them. I'm going to recognize them and I'm going to give them some respect in my life. I'm going to give them the right to be able to speak into my life and be an influence on me. For the college students, you'll learn who they are if you don't already. Mitchell and Lori and Paul and Kim and Jen, who else am I thinking uh, uh, the Smiths and the uh, Altums and the Whitleys. You'll see it. I, I don't care that you know their names. I'm going to tell you, you are going to discover who they are. They're just going to do the labor like that. Young people, you're going to know this. You're going to see George at every game, right? You're going to just kind of see these people who labor among you. They don't have labels necessarily. Randy Simpkins is not anything here. He ain't nothing. He ain't a teacher. I mean, he's not an elder. He's not a deacon. He's not a preacher. He's one of the best teachers you'll ever sit on, and he's a servant like crazy. But listen, you, you don't need to, it's not his label. It's not his position. You just notice somebody, and you know what? You are going to hand him the right to be an influence in your life. And when you do that, you're going to be better, 
and you're going to cooperate and be a beneficiary of the wonderful influence he is. And there are many men and women of this church. I said women. I mean it. There are women in this church who will have a role of making you better. Let them do it. Let them have that influence. They've earned it by their labors. Let them be a beneficiary and soak it up. They're here, church, for your blessing. So soak it up. I feel sorry for any man or woman who's not influenced by the, by, by the incredible work of Risa and, and, and Kim Wallace and Jennifer Carlton. It's not a label or a position. It's the labor that's important and how it blesses your life. So we promise you, you're, you have a structure here at Valley View. I promise you, I know this, I can tell you this, and I'm not going to name them all. I'm not even going to try to name them all. I'm giving you some examples, but you just watch, and you just come, and you participate, and the labors will bubble to the top, and you're going to say, I want to be like that, and you can be if you'll watch closely and allow yourself to be influenced. We promise to do this. If you'll cooperate and respect and admire their spiritual example, you will be blessed, and we promise to offer it to you. It's up to you to cooperate with it, though. It's up to you. You can waste this opportunity, but please don't. Please don't. Here's the second thing I want you to notice in verse 14. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. We are going to be a church that challenges you, a church that won't let you stay the way you are. I, I see it all the time in our consumer culture that everybody's trying to win adherence, trying to tell you what we offer to draw you to us. What do you need? What's your need? We're going to provide it. What is it that scratches an itch? What is it that entertains you? We're going we're to provide this so that we can draw you, right? But can I tell you, the number one thing he tells us to do is to challenge each other. Can I tell you? We want this to be true, that when you, when you, for whatever reason, you move away or you die or whatever from Valley View, right? When you, when, you, when you have spent time here, we promise you this. You will be more like Christ when you leave than when you got here. That's our number one goal. Whether you are entertained, whether you are pumped up about it or not, whether you have all the fun in the world or not, we want you to be more like Jesus when you leave than when you got here. And we're going to challenge you to do that. And notice the two groups he challenges. I want you to pay attention to this. Number one, he says, admonish the undisciplined. I love the reading that why it did. The unruly, right? Mine says the idle. That's kind of weird. Admonish the idle. Does anyone know what admonish means? We need to obdurate one another once in a while. Now, I had to look that word up. So I want you to be properly impressed. I only did this because I saw Gary James is in church and I wanted to give him a little something. So I wanted to use one word, nobody else knows what it is. We need to obdurate one another once in a while. Is that good, Gary? Is that impressive? Okay. See, I admonished him, I encouraged him, right? Admonish, anybody know what admonish means? What? Well, sorta, it's kinda got a kick each other in the pants kind of thing, right? It's, I want to, hey, listen, you're going a little slow, boom, right? Sometimes, you know, you know, when we lead a song and everybody slows it down, I want to go, somebody needs to admonish them. Kick them off. It needs to be a little faster than that, right? It's, it's admonish. Admonish, he says, the unruly or undisciplined. Who would that be? Sometimes we get in a lull in our spiritual lives and suddenly we're not working anymore. 
We're not pursuing holiness. We're not taking seriously the spiritual implications of our behavior. We're not, we're not really striving to be any better. And we're told in Scripture several times, make every effort. And we're not. We're just kind of lulling. It's undisciplined. And we need somebody to kind of challenge us. Can I tell you something? We are not going to water down the truth to get more people here and decrease our numbers. That will do you no good. We are not a collection of people. We're not trying to collect people. He didn't go, go into all the world and collect people. He said go into all the world and disciple people. Make them more like Jesus than they were before. And that means we're going to have to challenge you because you don't naturally want to be like Jesus. You don't naturally want to be holy. And this world isn't going to say, well, you want to be like Christ or you need to be uh, pursuing uh, the spiritual maturity. They're not going to. They're, they're, they're going to tell you all sorts of shortcuts not to do that. We're going to tell you. Don't stop pursuing Jesus. And what he's going to do is he's going to meddle into your life. In this particular book, there were some, I don't know why, there's lots of theories, it doesn't matter. They, they were not working. They were sitting there and letting the church meet their needs, and they were fully capable of working, and it was, it was bleeding the church of its resources. And Paul says, hey, get to work. Does your job have spiritual implications? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And you're becoming a leech to the church, and instead of being a, a, a contributor to it, you are a person who just zaps it of its energy. We need to get on to you. And so he gets on to him a little bit. He gets on to this one guy who doesn't believe in sexual purity. He decides whether I'm uh, faithful to one spouse for life or not. It doesn't really matter. And you know what? It started affecting the way he treated other people in the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And Paul did a slight reprimand. He did a little bit of a, hey, don't do that. That's not right. We need to be patient with this because he says be patient in all of this. But patience is not being passive. We'll be patient because there's all sorts of spiritual maturity in this assembly right now. And some people should be better than they are. And, we need to have, and others, we're just thankful they've grown a little bit right here. And we don't want to discourage them at all. But listen, we all need to be encouraged. Keep pursuing better spiritual, more Christ-likeness. We just keep doing it. And, and when you get dull and you start just sitting on your laurels, somebody needs to come along and do that. And I'm going to tell you, we need to be doing this for each other. And I want to say to people, if you're coming here and you just want us to look least common denominator so that we don't disrupt anybody and we don't make anybody go, you know what, I need to be working harder at this. I'm, I'm kind of sitting back and not doing anything. We want to be a church. I want you to know this, that if you get a little dull of hearing and you get a little bit lazy in your spiritual life, you're going to get a nudge from us, a gentle, kind, loving nudge. We don't just want you to be in a pew. We want you to be pursuing godliness. But there's another thing in this passage. When he says, I want you to see to it. I love that phrase in verse 15. See to it. You're looking around and you're seeing people and you're saying, hey, you, you see to it that no one repays evil for evil, but do good to all. All. Oh, what's that mean? Do not water down the truth in order to get more people. I want you to look around there, and I, because here's, when we face persecution, and we will, and when you live the Christian life and you get talked bad about, and you will, when you do, it makes you angry, and you're going to want to lash out and get back and take vengeance, and I get why you want to, but in this church, we believe in what God says, not what we feel. 
and we're going to tell you, don't do that. We will stand with you. We will stand you, with you and defend you and encourage you and strengthen you, but we will not say it's okay to be less than God calls us to be. We will not say because that person did that, oh, you don't have to forgive them, or you can write that to them, or you can post that on Facebook about them. You can't do that. We're going to see to it you don't treat people like that. We don't take vengeance, church. We love our enemies. We pray for those who treat us bad, and we do good to those who don't do good to us. That's what we do. You know why? There's only one reason why. Why? Church, why do we do that? God said so. And now, here's the thing. There was a member a couple weeks ago, comes up and describes very graphically to me what one family member did to her years ago. It was terrible. And I sat there and thought, man, if that happened, I don't know what I would do. And she says, are you telling me you're going to tell me I have to forgive that person? Inside, I wanted to tell her, no, that's terrible. That's not right. You need to do, you know what I told her? Yes. It's not my call to make, and I'm not going to give you a hardship license that allows you to be less than what God calls you to be. This church is not going to issue hardship licenses. Oh, it's so hard to be faithful. Well, that's okay. Be a little less. No, that's condescending to you. That's calling you to less than Jesus. We will not be a church that calls you to be less than Jesus. We're not going to do it. It might increase numbers and make it easier, but you will not be who God calls you to if we do that. It won't. So... We're a church that provides a structure for your spiritual benefit. We are a church that challenges you. That's what we're going to be. And if you're coming for college and listen, you think you're just going to kind of coast through here, you can coast through here if you want to, but we're going to do everything we can to challenge you. But notice this last one, that we encourage you. This one says two things, verse 14. Encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak. I don't know how you define the difference between faint-hearted and weak, and I really don't care. What Paul is saying is when you look around and there are people discouraged, people anxious, people stressed in pain and grief or in tension or going through life challenges that you're aware of, it might be developmental, might be just out of the blue. Whatever it is, you pay attention and you do something for them. Help them not to lose heart. We will persuade, we will lift up, we will stand beside. Already in this book, there are believers who lost loved ones that they thought were going to miss out on some spiritual benefits, and Paul comes along with some correct doctrine, and sometimes we need to do this for one another. We need to tell each other the truth. But sometimes it's just our presence. We're going to give you our presence. We're going to share our experience with you. We're going to share our time and our phones, right? We're going to call each other, encourage each other, come to the aid of those who are worn out or fatigued or overwhelmed. We're going to try to encourage you and remind you and sit beside you, take notice, do something that we imagine might be what you need. We're going to take notice. We're going to see it. We're going to actually see you. That's what we want. But the question becomes, how do you know when someone needs this? How do you know when somebody needs this? It might be common knowledge. Please don't be one of those people who leaves the door of your car, closes it, 
comes into this auditorium, sits in a pew, goes to the worship service, gets back up and goes back out to your car, and nothing else happened other than you getting a worship experience. There are so many things that can happen between here and there that are part of your responsibility. There are so many people that need to see you and draw something from you. There are things going on in the lives of these people that you have a moment right here where we're all assembled to do something to lift them up and give them a reason to come back one more week. Don't you dare miss it just to do the walk in and walk out. I had this assignment for myself this morning. I do this every Sunday, but there's just, listen, everybody needs to be encouraged, and I want to see everybody. I want to shake every hand. I want to see every person. Most often, I can't quite do it. I walk around. I try to see who's here. I try to put it in my head. In case I miss somebody, I can text them later. But today, I had a few extra things in my head. We've got Dana Hayes right now in hospice. She's probably, I don't know, probably this week is the day of her death. That just bugs the tar out of me right now. It just, just, just affects, affects everything. But what I know is a sweet granddaughter of hers has come to church camp with us for years. She's dreamed of coming to ASU, being where her grandmother is, and spending four years just being able to bring friends over and hang out because her grandma is cool. And the best cook, that helps some too. Cook, she's cool. It's a neat place to hang out. That dream dies this week. We leave her Friday from the hospice. When Melissa says to her, we're thinking about it, she says, I'll be there Sunday, and she is here. I wasn't going to let her come in this door and sit in these seats and not know somebody's thinking about that. Not only is she here, her roommate and her family from Jackson, Missouri is here checking out Valley View, and they're in a pew by themselves back there, and she is my hero today, and she's going to be encouraged, y'all. She's not getting out of here without us loving her, and I'm going to say to her, there's still a house in Jonesboro you can come to and hang out in. 1411 Old Bridger Road and several others. That's what you need when you come to church. That's the kind of encouragement. Pay attention because these things are going on in our assembly. And it's not just something to look at the prayer list and go on. What can you do? What can you do? Now, not everybody needs to. I get it. Listen, you got a phone number you can call if you're going to go see Dana today. But if you don't know her very well, it's not going to be something that you're going to be prone to do. And that's okay. Don't. We are not responsible for everyone. But be responsible for someone. Be mindful of someone. It sits around you. Right now, I'm looking around. I'm thinking. As people come in, I'm thinking of what's going on that I know of. I noticed the early service, stags came in, the men of the family, but the ladies weren't here. And then I come into regular service, and the ladies are here, but the men are gone. There's a marriage problem in the stags, right? That's what I'm thinking in my head, right? Or more likely, it's a sibling rivalry because Arden is awful. And I'm sitting there looking at that and I'm paying attention. What kind of encouragement do they need for another one? I don't know. I'm just making this stuff. But I'm looking this stuff over all the time. And, there's, and I, you know what? I saw the acres come in. Maggie's here. Emily's here. But you know who's not here? The parents are here. Ellie's not here. They dropped off their youngest at Fried Hardman yesterday. I, 
I remember. I just told her, I remember that. It was terrible. Melissa's just like, fine, but I was a wallowing idiot in the back seat, right? When, when we did that. And now what they're left with, listen, here's a couple who all they now have near them is Emily and Maggie. They need our encouragement. If anybody knows those two girls, they need our encouragement. I pro- and that, the, the, you're thinking these things. These things run through your head like this, right? This is the one-year mark of losing Mac today. I don't see the Baldridges here. But they're right here. And I thought if they're not here, if they're here today, they might just be on fumes, right? They might not be able to pray or worship today, but I decided I was going to pray extra to cover them. Anybody else feel that way? I'm thinking about what's going on in their lives. These things, these moments like this, and there are things I can't even discern. I might meet with you somewhere and talk with you for a minute. I can discern in your voice something's not quite right and think about that. You may be able to hide it, but some of you won't. And and there's just things going on. and, And as you walk into this assembly, you've got the chance. This isn't just the assembly moment. We need to think about each other all week long. And there's things you can do all week long to do this. But here in this moment, we're all together and we can collectively and in a group encourage one another. And don't just walk in here and miss it. Don't walk in. This is your obligation. This is what God calls us to. This is the church we need to be, to be thinking about each other and, and, and just pondering, what can I do to encourage? And it might just be a handshake or a hug or a smile or just seeing somebody waving across the other. I don't know what it'll be, but think about it. This is who we are. We've got a bunch of college students coming. You remember going off to college? Do I have enough? Do I have what it takes? Maybe the, the families are here and you're leaving your kid behind. I know what that is. I know all about I feel that, right? And this is a developmental stage for them. And you don't know them yet because you've never met them. Don't let that stop you from meeting them. There's some things you know before you ever know their names. And then Gary and Shirley James come in. What an encouragement, right? We stay in fellowship enough. We'll recognize when the encouragement's needed, and we'll do something. Something. This is the kind of church that's necessary for you to be part of if you hope to live the Christian life out in a world that is so antagonistic to it. This is what Valley View needs to be. This is what God calls us to. And I don't, know, I don't care what else culture tells us we need to be as a church. I'm, I'm concerned about being what God calls us to be. I want us to offer this to each other, and I want us to receive it from each other when we need it. Because, listen, you may not be one who needs the help and the encouragement now, but you will be before long. We are all playing all these roles all the time. This is what we are promising each other and promising from each other to strive to be. May God help us to be this. We're not begging you to come and increase our numbers. We're not collecting people to increase our crowd. We're seeking out people who need what the church offers and plan to contribute to that need themselves by being part of this, God's mission at Valley View. And if that's what's in your heart and mind, Come on, 
Come on and be a part. We will play this for you and receive this from you and you will grow and so will we. And we'll be like God called us to be, which is what we all strive for. If there's anyone who's never responded to the gospel, you're always going to have a chance to respond to the gospel. If you've never named the name of Jesus, name him. He's your Lord and be immersed in the waters of baptism. Rise to walk a new life and be part of this family and, and, and receive from us and contribute to us what's needed. If there's anyone here discouraged, faint-hearted, weak, I hope that someone finds you before the morning is over and gives you the encouragement you might need. But if for whatever reason part of that encouragement is you need to come before the church and say, I really need prayer in this, I need some help in this, we will be happy to do that. And the time to do that is now as we stand as we sing.